Welcome to Equiosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland, and I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and lots of other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Dominique and I both love training, and when the two of us get together, it's a non-stop conversation. That's what we want to share in these podcasts. We're going to be talking about horses and the relationships that we have with horses and our passion for training and learning theory. So, Dominique, in the last podcast, we were talking not about the beginning of of sessions, but the ending of sessions and, Mm. and how much how much care and attention you need to give, how much thought you need to give to how you bring a training session to a close. Because if you have all the goodies and it's the social attention and the games, you may need to go off to work or you may need to go cook dinner for the family. But your horse is saying, what do you mean we're done? So there has to be some thought given to how you bring a session to a close. And this morning when we were out walking your two dogs and you were sharing with me some stories about bringing sessions to a close and I was particularly struck by the way that you get Canel in. And she's a she's a Shetland, a herding yeah, dog. She, she's um she's a mix of border collie and Shetland, very smart dog. Yes. She likes to lie down on the balcony during the day. She just stays there and look at life go by. At the end of the day, it was always a bit of a struggle to end this enriching experience she has looking outside. So it wasn't that you were ending a training session. It was that you wanted her to come inside at the end of the day before the skunks come out for the evening. Exactly, the skunks and the porcupines. Yes, yes. It's at the end of the day, before the sun goes down, we have to come in. Yes. But for her, it was the end of, it's enrichment for her when she's outside. And so it was always, oh, okay, now we have to go. And so it was always a bit of a struggle. And I tried different things. We would go on a little walk and I would clip her the the last 30 seconds to make sure that we would then come in. But she's a smart duck. She would see that coming. And so she would split, you know, 15 seconds before, which usually she doesn't do. She always stays with me when we walk. She, she's good at walking alongside me. But if it were the end of the day and she knew that we would, I would clip her so we would come in, yeah. she's a smart duck. She would split and go sniff something all of a sudden and wouldn't be available to be clipped, clipped. anymore. Right. So it always felt like I was tricking her into coming into the house and that it was not her idea. Of course, in this kind of work, we always try to have a volunteer willing animal who's yes. choosing to do the behaviors we desire, the, that we want them to do. I mean, the solution was quite simple. I should have thought about it in the first place. But instead of it being about it's the end of the day, it's the end of the enriching experience, the focus became there's going to be a big reinforcement inside every time you come in. 
And so I'm talking sardines now. Ah. I'm not talking kibbles or which because she's usually quite willing to work for kibbles. Yes. And she's actually the kind of dog that would rather have a kibble that she's worked for than a free kibble. Yes. So kibbles, she loves to to work for kibbles. But here I'm talking sardines, tuna or chicken. Ah, yes. Um, things a that real are celebration. A real celebration. And so now it's not about it's the end of the day. It's about it's time. It's sardines time. Aha. And that made all the difference in the world because now she's literally running into the house when I say it's sardine time. Aha. So it's such a small shift. It's the same thing. We're going in. It's the end of the enriching time outside. Yes. But it's no longer about ending something. It's about getting this super reinforcement inside. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we know that all reinforcement are not equal. And when we're working against something that is highly reinforcing for a dog, very enriching for a dog, we have to find a reinforcer that is high enough in their, you know, that they think are really attractive. Attractive. So you were you were speaking... Speaking of attractive, you were telling me the story of one of your dog-owning friends whose dog had a strong attraction to, of all things, white tissue paper that people, I guess Kleenex and paper towels and so on, that people were dropping on the city streets. Isn't that strange? It is. The dog swallows all white tissues when they go on a walk. And so this friend of mine tells me, you have no idea how many... Kleenex and tissues there are on the road. <laughs> yeah, so he was asking, you know, what, what could he do? Because he told me there were two neighborhoods that he walked his dogs in. One neighborhood was a wealthy residential neighborhood yes. where the number of tissues obviously were quite low. And then there was another one that was more urban neighborhood. And of course, the first thing was, you know, walk. You, you always say, train your horse where you can, not, not where you, where can. you cannot. Right, right. It's true for all animals, right? Train where you feel that your your chances of success will be the best. Yes. And so I said, well, first of all, obviously you should stop walking the dog in the neighborhood that's full of tissues all over the place. You know, until you've trained this, you should walk her in the, the other neighborhood. His, his rate of reinforcement, too, was quite low. He was not being very generous. generous. So we increased the rate of reinforcement. So it was like, here's this tissue that you want, or one piece Little, of kibble. Exactly. Yes. And this tissue has a very strong attraction for this dog. So definitely the rate of, of reinforcement had to be increased. And then, of course, I suggested to him that he train this inside his home and that perhaps he finds something white because this dog seems to have a fixation on things that are white that he wants to take in his mouth, something white that he could play with and that he couldn't swallow so that at least he had not a constant frustration that he will never be able to put a white thing in his mouth for the rest of his life. So, I mean, usually... And that he could actually learn to give back, too. Mm -hmm. Because it might be very reinforcing for this dog to find the Kleenex and bring it back to you for a reinforcer. I seem to be telling a lot of stories about Anne, my my friend and client who's blind, but when we were at the boarding barn together and her Arab loved to retrieve, absolutely loved to retrieve. And so she would go into the arena with him and he'd be all saddled up, but he would not want to go to the mounting block 
until she had let him go so he could clean up the arena for her. And, and we, we were boarding in a lesson barn, and it's a standard lesson barn. The kids had riding crops and Kleenex and mm. various other things. And he would go out in the arena, and whatever these kids had dropped during the course of the lessons, he would pick up and bring to her. <laughs> Thankfully, she was a teacher and a parent, so she was used to having soggy Kleenex handed to her. And, mm. But he was so diligent in fetching, so perhaps to teach the, the exchanges. So, wow, you found a Kleenex. Wow, celebration. Now, wouldn't you rather eat some kibble instead of this nasty piece of, of Kleenex? Yeah. And it also speaks directly to the idea of arrange the environment to be successful and then build in small stair steps. So we've been talking about the goats that were my visitors for, for two weeks recently. And when I started with them, they were afraid of me. They, they were very hesitant to approach me. And if I had turned them out in the arena, I'd have had goats racing as far away from me as they could possibly get. It would not have been a productive training session. So I didn't do that. Instead, I started in the smaller space of their stall. And then we expanded to the outdoor run that's attached to the stall. And when I had a training relationship with them and when they had built a repertoire of behaviors, then we went out into the barn aisle and we were able to use those behaviors, following a target, going to a platform, so that they could look at this new environment but stay attached to me. Look at the things that were interesting to them, like the pigeon that was walking around in the arena, and check back with me and stay with me. So they were learning how to go into a new environment and yet stay attached to me. And these goats, when they went back to the farm where they were raised, one of their new experiences was going to be the county fair. That's a lot of new environment, that's right. But so often what we do with our horses, you get a new horse and what are we doing? We want to go out for a trail ride because we bought the horse to go trail riding. You throw it in the deep water right away. Yes, yes. And sometimes it works and sometimes it ends in a scare. It just makes so much sense to take that time in the beginning to say, I feel comfortable working you in this paddock. You feel comfortable being in this paddock. Let's work there. And, and once, once we've built a relationship and a connection, then let's expand a little bit into a more distracting space, a more complex environment, one where there are more options for you, but you'll have the skills to stay with me. One thing I've learned over the years with this work is that we always talk about chunking things down into small steps. Yes. There's always... A smaller step. Always. Between 1 and 2, there's 1.5. And between 1 and 1.5, there's 1.25. So there's always a way to slice it down even smaller. And again, slicing things down like that is money in the bank. That's right. Whether it's that you're struggling because you're not sure of what to do next or you're not sure what to do with the response that your animal has given you, or your animal is looking unsure, 
or he's the, the way he's taking the treats has changed, which is a good indicator that he's getting tired or confused, that's a time to step back a little bit and say, let's thin slice this. And I actually think that's a great place to stop and say, let's thin slice these podcasts by saying this is a nice unit to think about and we'll leave people for now and come back another day and talk about some other things that have interested us and some other stories that we've been chatting about as we visit. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This has been a short episode, but to make up for it, we're including in the bonus material not one article, but two. So we've got What is Clicker Training? and clicker training superglue waiting for you in the members section. To get the materials, just go to our website, equosity.com, and subscribe to the members section. We'll send you an email with the access information, and you'll have access to all the articles we've posted so far. Dominique, it's been such a treat for me over the last few years to be able to have these, these long training conversations with you. It's been a real joy. And something we've talked about, we want to be able to offer people is an opportunity to join in directly in these conversations. We're going to be offering a webinar where you can join us in the conversation. Or if you prefer, you can just be a fly on the wall and listen in. We'll be announcing the details of the webinar at the end of the fourth episode. So be sure to listen in to that one. And in the meantime, enjoy, have fun with the training, and we'll see you next time. Bye.